Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Fidelis McPeru about his latest novel, Soulful Return. It's a story about an immigrant who makes the journey back to Nigeria after being away for 40 years to reconnect with his family, his homeland, and his soul. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on the author. Fidelis O. McPeru is a Nigerian immigrant to the U.S., and in this novel, he sets out to speak to his experiences and those of his fellow immigrants. He is a professor of medicine at Northeast Ohio Medical University and a senior attending cardiologist at Altman Hospital and Mercy Medical Center in Canton, Ohio. Previously, he was a Spalding Fellow at Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School. His preceding novels include Love's Affliction and Tears Before Exaltation, a Colorado Independent Publishers Association Evie Awards winner in Literary and Contemporary Fiction 2018. To learn more about Fidelis McPeru and his work, visit his website at fidelismcperu.com. Well, hi, Fidelis. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Thank you for having me again. The last time you were on our show was in 2018, and we talked about your book, Tears Before Exaltation. So yes. catch us up a little bit. What have you been up to since then? Uh, medical practice, uh, busy medical practice, and try to write. I was writing mostly for some journals. I wrote for a cardiology journal, mm. uh, not cardiology issues, but more social issues. Uh, reading, I've been reading a lot, and uh, also spending time with my grandkids, four of them, and then uh, just growing some more gray hair and a little <laughs> small boss spot on, on my head. That's it, basically. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds like fun for the most part, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. I, I just I have nothing to complain about. It's been yeah. good. Good, good. So tell us about your new book. What is Soulful Return about? Well, Soulful Return, I look at it as a journey, a a spiritual journey of someone who has left home for a long time, forgot about all his responsibilities. And uh, one day he woke up and decided that maybe he needs to go back and retrace his roots and uh, find out what he left behind and try to figure out how to fix the problems he had that he ignored for a long time. So for me, it's a journey of, uh, for redemption. That's the way I look at it. Mm. It's just uh, a journey that needs to be taken. Yeah. Wow. How inspirational. And now it's fiction, but it is based on your story. Is that right? It's based on experiences I've had and experiences of uh, friends and other immigrants uh, in the U.S. and all over the world. It's not an autobiography, but some of the incidences and some of the um, maybe I will say challenges in the novel uh, probably has some facts to them. So that's, there is, I'll call it realistic fiction. That's probably what I would call it. Yeah, yeah. So what inspired you to write this particular story at this point in your life? There was a time, a period in my life, I did not go back home. Uh, the burden of African immigrants is even even though you left home, uh, you're still considered a part of the community. 
they levy taxes on you. Uh, your cousins, uh, your relatives still call you. They expect you to come home and uh, face your responsibilities. For a few years, I didn't go home. And then one year, I went home with my son. And I had to go back to my grandfather's, the ruins of my grandfather's house. I went to my father's house. My father has been dead since 1995, but all his properties, everything was left the same way. I have mm. not. Nothing is sold in my culture. Even if somebody dies, you don't sell their property. The male children inherit the properties. It's uh, expected that you keep them and maintain them. Mm. Uh, that's the way things have been for decades, actually for generations. So when I went back home and I went through my grandfather's place, uh, the funny thing is I took my shoes off, took my socks off to walk on the grounds that my, my forefathers walked on. Oh, wow. And uh, it was very spiritual for me. And I looked at everything, went to my father's house, opened up the door, looked at all the old pictures, all the kitchen wares, all the dining room wares and everything, the chairs, where my father left them. And I think I had a spiritual moment at that time. And that was the reason why I decided that I was just going to proudly uh, write about the experiences I've had. Wow, I love that story. That kind of gives me chills. I mean, yeah, it does sound like you had a, a spiritual enlightening or, or, or like you said, moment. Yeah. yeah, wow. It's so strong going back home, you know. You always hear you can't go back home, but when you do, I don't know, like I remember just going and like visiting my grandmother's house, you know, and, and that always felt like home to me. And, that, yes. you know, just stepping in that on that property, it's almost like a big, you feel this big weight lifted on off of your shoulders almost. I can't describe it, but. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't agree with people that say you can't go home, ah. uh, go back home because I really believe, honestly, uh, if there is something called a soul, I sincerely believe that my soul is in Nigeria. I, I felt that it did not live with me when I left 45 years ago. Uh, I feel that my soul stayed there roaming around. Mm. Uh, so when I go back, it's just always time for a reconnection. I feel that my soul always comes back to me. And when I leave, my soul refused to go with me. I always waiting for me to come back. That is the feeling I have. I've left physically, but I, I never left spiritually. I still remain where I came from. Yeah. So obviously, uh, the book is on your experiences, as you said, um, or based on it. So what kind of what did your research look like for this? Was there a lot involved since this is your home and you probably had a lot of the information you needed? Was there any research at all involved? Well, I, the research actually is, not, I won't call it a research. I, I think it was just going back to my roots, going back to where I came from and uh, looking at just like walking on the dirt road and like my parents walked on, my grandparents walked on, that I used to walk on when I was younger. We used to visit my grandparents' house and all that stuff. Uh, I don't think that's called research. I think mm. that is called reawakening. Just uh, it's something that is deep down in me. I just have to find it. Uh, it it's already there. I just have to rediscover them. So uh, there isn't much research because uh, this is the experiences and these are the information that is within me. Maybe I have forgotten some of them and I have to go back and try to trace them back. I think that's probably what I should uh, say that happened to me. I have to find out who I was or who I should be. And I think that's that's the experience. 
Yeah, yeah. So reconnecting is a better word than, than uh, research. Yeah. Yes, oh, reconnection. Yes. Yeah. So you still have family there, obviously. Um, have you been home recently? Uh, yeah, I was home in 2020 before COVID took over. I was in Nigeria in March of uh, 2020. And I have three sisters in Nigeria. I have about 18 nephews and nieces. And I have all my cousins in Nigeria. And these are people I'm very close to. Even if I didn't visit Nigeria, they call me at least uh, once a week or so. So I have a strong connection uh, to Nigeria. And I don't think that will ever change. Yeah. Well, we're going back and forth between the book and your life. But (laughs) I guess it's a blend, right? Yes. What can you tell us about your protagonist? What motivates him? Well, (laughs) I think a couple of things about the protagonist. Uh, He's a man-driven by uh, desire to achieve a lot. And deep down, he always has this fear of failure. And that's what really motivates him more, uh, the fear that he's going to fail. Or he has this fear of disappointing his parents. Even though they're gone, uh, he still feels that he has to live up to the expectations. So what motivates him is the fear of failure. And uh, because of that, he just kind of hung on to academic achievements and things like that, just trying to um, please the expectations uh, that um, uh, he had from childhood from his parents. So I think fear should be the motivating factor. That's what I, that's what I believe in. Fear of failing in his marriage, of failing his parents, of, uh, of also losing his identity. Those are the things that actually motivate him. Mm. So because he has to work harder, to make sure that he doesn't fail in any of those areas where he feels that he's vulnerable. Wow. That's a big responsibility put on his shoulders by himself, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. We're yeah. hardest on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it usually is. Uh, because deep down, even though we may not realize it, deep down there's something that we fear the most. And because of that, we work harder, try to make sure that those things don't happen to us. Yeah. One thing that stood out with the review that our reviewer did at Reader Views is that um, she said uh, Soulful Return captures the struggles of immigrants expertly. And, you know, it seems to align perfectly with the ongoing immigrant struggles of today. Did current events or the continual divisive issue of immigration have any weight on your decision to write this book as well? Well, it's not really... The ongoing debate that is the issue in, uh, with me and also with the protagonist, I think the issue is uh, watching all those people trying to escape from Africa and die in the Mediterranean Sea and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the protagonist deep down probably feels that if he had gone back home, if home is, uh, was made better or improved for the younger generation, maybe most of those who will not try to escape from Africa. So one of the things uh, uh, that is important in this particular story is the responsibility of everybody. Whether you are an immigrant, an immigrant, or whatever you call yourself, uh, there's always that attachment to your homeland. And the question is, what have you done? What have you contributed? Because Some people like myself, when I came to the U.S. initially, I had every hope of going back home and making things better. So that is similar to what the protagonist is looking at. He spent 40 years in the U.S. of A without going back home. 
what has he contributed to the society to improve where he came from? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's one issue. And if you look at the issue of American immigration debate and everything else, is the same problem that we have here. Instead of addressing uh, the issue, why are those people trying to escape from their homeland? We're focusing on the border. If we go back to where they're coming from and try to fix the problem, uh, some of the problem has to do with corruption, embezzlement, and uh, lack of uh, resources where those people are coming from. And we're giving them foreign aid. The foreign aid uh, going to the politicians, and the politicians are spending those foreign aid. It's not going to the common person. If we give foreign aid and insist that those foreign aid should be used to help the masses, they will not try to leave their country. They will stay there. Mm. So we're not looking at the cause of the problem. We're looking at the, the effect of the behavior of those politicians. So we should go back to, if you're looking at Mexico, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and all these people, Cuba, and all those places, if we solve the problem, the problem being opportunity, if we tell people when we give you foreign aid, you have to use it on the people that will benefit from it, and not the politicians sending those to Swiss banks, we will not have all this immigration problem. But every immigrant in the U.S., or Europe, anywhere, has to go back home and try to influence what is going on in their homeland. So we would not have a lot of people trying to escape. Mm, that's a good point, because I don't feel like we often look at that issue. Um, why? Why are they leaving? Because yeah. there are no opportunities. It's not that there is no... Look at Venezuela with all the oil in Venezuela. Uh, they're selling oil, but where's the money going? Look at Nigeria. Nigeria used to be one of the top producers of oil. A lot of people have left Nigeria. Uh, why are those people leaving? Because the money is going to private pockets. Mm-hmm. Nobody has tried to do something to make sure that the money is invested in the society and people benefit from it. So we don't have a lot of people trying to run away from their country. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like we have a lot of those issues here, too. Corruption, embezzlement, you know, but I guess on, on the overall, it's still better than, than in most other countries. America is unique. Even if you have corruption and all those things, Americans invest in America. You don't see a lot of Americans in taking their money or running to Europe to invest. Maybe a few of them, but not a lot of them. So Americans believe in America, they invest in their country, which is different. Uh, But if you go to third world countries, you don't have any uh, amenities, you don't have anything. Educational system has fallen apart in Nigeria because once they take the money, sell the money, embezzle the money, whatever you call it, they go to Europe, put them in European banks, put them in offshore banks, and they invest, they buy, go to Dubai, they're buying property, Nigerians are buying properties in Dubai. You go to England, they're buying properties in England and stuff like that. These are all politicians and uh, corrupt uh, individuals in the society. So even if there's corruption and those corrupt officials invest in their country, their country can still work better than the country where all the funds are taken out of the country. Mm, okay. But we're going a little bit too deeper. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the topic. It just like I said, soulful return. It's a spiritual journey. Is someone trying to uh, stand up and raise his hand and said, "I want to go back to where I came from. I want to make a difference." So, what can you tell us about your protagonist's return? Well, without giving away <laughs> too much. <laughs> Well, the protagonist's return was a, a little bit shocking for him. Uh, he was going back to a country 
like a country that he loved and he thought everybody loved him and everything was perfect. When he got there, it wasn't the same country he left 40 years ago. People are more corrupt. People are more violent. And all the people that he thought that were probably were his friends or relatives and things like that, that they would be looking out for his well-being, weren't there for his well-being. So he went out there thinking that he's going to go there and make a difference and change a lot of things. But he went out there uh, struggling, trying to stay alive. And that's the most, uh, actually, I think that's most interesting about this whole story is just the violence uh, towards the end of it, uh, because now he has to deal with the violence that is in the society. It wasn't the society that was uh, amicable and uh, fun-loving people and all those things, but now he's looking at people that have changed over time. Yeah. So yeah. that is one of the uh, things that probably why I think some people were asking me, why didn't you write uh, an autobiography and things like that? If I write an autobiography, it would be more violent than a fiction because fiction, I can modify things. Autobiography, you can't. You have to tell it the way it is. And it would have been a violent memoir or uh, biography or whatever you call it. Yeah. And, and people do write those biographies or memoirs that are hard to read, you know, hard truths. Mm -hmm. But um, I think almost you would catch a bigger audience and still get your message across writing creative fiction like you've done. Yeah. Also, if you write uh, nonfiction, you have to get everybody's permission. And I didn't get that. You, t you talk to some of the people you want to talk about in your book and trying to get their permission. Uh, most of them said no. And sometimes you worry about lawsuits and things like that. And writing a fiction, you're basically teasing out things that are more interesting for people to read. The way I look at fiction, fiction is an entertainment. So you have to find out parts of uh, your story that is entertaining. And sometimes it's, it's difficult when you're writing something that is realistic fiction. So uh, those are the, some of the uh, things that you have to deal with in the way I approach this particular uh, novel that I wrote. Yeah, yeah. When was Soulful Return released? It was released November 22nd, 2022. That was just a couple of months ago. Yeah, so just a couple months ago, mm -hmm. not long. What kind of feedback have you received on the story so far? Oh, a lot. I have a lot of reviews and, and people calling. And a lot of people like it. They, they just said that one of the reviewers actually wrote me a private note and saying that this is the most realistic uh, fiction that uh, she's ever read and things like that. So um, I think when I started writing, I was a little bit afraid to say certain things or write certain things. And I was worried about just trying to make sure that I'm proper, politically proper, religiously proper, and socially proper. But as I got older, I decided to just write what I feel or what I know without uh, worrying about how it's going to be received. I just want to uh, tell my story the way I think it should be told without worrying about some of the social consequences of it. Yeah, I think when you do that, you stilt your work. And I think readers can feel that, you know, that it's not coming from your heart, true, you know. Yeah. So did you take a break from your last book? Because I know your last book uh, came out, was it 2018 or 2017? Uh, 2018. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so did you take a break from writing or did you spend these, these last few years writing Soulful Return? Well, I have active medical practice and I didn't start writing until I, I just, I was going to take a break and just not write anything. I was going to, I was, I was thinking about writing a memoir and uh, I started writing a few things and then I 
after I went to Nigeria in 2020, I decided to write the fiction, write A Soulful Return. So that was when I changed. No, I did not take a break. I always write something. I always publish something. Uh, it can be medical. It can be non-medical. But there's always something to write. And I do write uh, to send some stories to some journals, mostly medical journals anyway. So I've been busy writing. It's kind of fun. I just never stop. Plus, I've been reading a lot, too. I've been reading uh, history of the world, uh, looking back at Roman Empire and just uh, pre-Julius Caesar and post-Julius Caesar, uh, Roman Empire. So it's kind of uh, interesting uh, stories. And uh, so there's always time to read and and time to write. And I just never give up on those. Yeah, yeah. I know. History is so interesting. Yeah, I love to read history. And I, I don't know how you find time to write. I guess that should have been the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a way to look at it. I, I think a couple of things is uh, every day, I just try to reserve an hour or two every day of my life, uh, either early in the morning or late in the evening. I reserve time to read and time to write. So I always write something no matter what, what I'm doing. I always try to make time for it because it's just a time for me to take a break uh, from all the things I'm doing. I just try to manage my time a little bit more. And uh, so I don't smoke, I don't drink. And so uh, my mind is never influenced by anything. So there's always, <laughs> I always have a clear mind to write. And I just make the time. Yeah. I think that's more important than anything else. You just have to apportion your time, uh, those things that matter to you. Yeah, that's your, your me time. And it's therapeutic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So do you feel like you've grown as a writer from your first novel to now? I believe so, uh, because I look at it from the perspective of trying to reach my audience. I have to ask myself, who are the people I'm trying to reach? Uh, so for Return is more geared towards the immigrants. Uh, you're looking at, most importantly, Africans in diaspora. Just want to make sure that what I'm, the story I'm telling is the story they'll relate to and the story they'll learn from. I'm just right. I just wrote something that even my children, my grandchildren, years down the line, when they take uh, the book and read, they'll learn something from it. And uh, so I definitely I feel that I have grown and try to tell my story a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I love that you have that available to, you know, your future generations. That's yeah. My grandmother, I bring her up again because she was such a storyteller. And I was like, wow, I wish I could have gotten some of the stories from her, of our family. Because when I realized, oh, all of those stories are now with her. Yes. You know, I was too, I was too young to realize that at the time. But, oh, so anyway, it's a, it's a nice, nice thing to have to be able to pass down along the generations. Yes. So what's next for you? You say you'll keep writing. Do you have another story planned? Oh, definitely. There's always a story. That's, that's just uh, the question is, which one should I write first? <laughs> There's always a story. I'm looking forward to one of these days to retire. Then I can make it a full time. Uh, there are so many stories to tell. And uh, I, one of the things I just wanted to do is probably write something about childhood stories and things like that. Uh, things that will interest uh, younger generation. There are so many things about I lived through a war. And I would like to tell a story of war from a child's perspective. That's one of the things I like to write about. Ooh. And uh, also, 
uh, I would like to also write some stories that may be nonfiction. If I get permission, I would write, like to write a story about love and forgiveness and things like that, whatever that means, without getting myself in trouble. So these are the kind of things I would like to write about. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So you have your retirement all planned out then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just uh, my study. I, I just I have books all over my study. I like to sit there and read and write because the good thing about writing is when you write, you just get into the world of your protagonist, and uh, you can just live in that world for a while until the book is done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so a little bit about your writing style. It seems to be character driven. Yes, uh, I don't write uh, thrillers and all that stuff and uh, or fantasy and things like that. That's I just more of my stories are character driven. There has to be, yeah, it's a protagonist uh, driving the story. Yeah, and and those are some of my favorite kind of books because the protagonist or whoever you your main character is, even if it's an antagonist, they can be who they are in any situation, any plot, any you know they determine what happens. I love that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I recommend people to read uh, Soulful Return. Uh, they can take the journey with me. For me, it's a spiritual journey. And every time I, the funny thing is, even though I wrote the book, I read it so many times. And each time I, I read the book, and it seems like there are aspects of it that I have forgotten when I was writing. So it's always fun taking that journey. Oh. So I'm just, yeah, I'm asking everybody, take that journey with me. It will be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Fidelis, thank you so much for joining me again on the show. It's been wonderful to catch up and uh, best of luck with Soulful Return. And thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Fidelis McPeru, author of Soulful Return. To learn more about Fidelis and his work, visit his website at fidelismcperu.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews on InsideScoopLive.com. (laughs) 